on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, March 29th. The LA Galaxy get a victory over the New England Revolution in their first preseason public preseason match of this 2021 offseason. We're going to talk a whole bunch about that game, tell you what we liked, what we didn't like, some of the pluses, some of the minuses, some of the names that stuck out, a bunch of stuff that we can sort of cover from that. And then we're also going to get you an update on all the international stuff that we need to update you on. There is a lot to talk about in terms of missing players, arriving players, injured players, so we're going to get you that as well as the team gets ready to head to Tucson at the end of this week. So a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. In order to help me do all that, he's back the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? Hey, how come in that opening montage, all those songs about L.A., how come Randy Newman, I Love L.A., should be in there, don't you think? Because that mo- that song kills the mood, that's why. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely, that's a mood killer. I mean, I Love L.A. is great, but it just doesn't fit into the you know general overall grind of that those initial songs. I mean, to be honest with you, we're not even doing it based on the best people to have ever made songs about L.A. either, because Randy Newman would be up there. We really did it for some sort of aesthetic that was years ago, and now we play it now, and people who haven't listened to us very long think that it's new. So, I mean, that was that was really my intention behind the whole thing. We should dig into our our vast budget and like commission a song. That's maybe um, you two or somebody. I, 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 how much do you think? I would like to know how much you think it would cost for us to commission a song because I've looked into this, and I think that people have maybe a different view of what is reasonable or 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 not expensive. That's that's my take. You mean to, for someone to write it and then record it and then give it to you? Yes. I guess it would depend on the artist, but I don't know, 10,000? 10,000. <laughs> my ballpark? Not even close, huh? I mean, I mean, I'm sure if we got somebody like who might even have be, make a name for themselves, 10,000 might might it's probably more than that. It's probably like in the 20,000s if it was actually, you know, let's say it was a freelancer who was doing stuff like that. I would imagine that it would cost anywhere between 1 and $5,000 just to get it sort of done. I mean, there's a lot of work involved in all that. So, I'm sure people are like, "Hey, I'll do it for $5,000 and I'm going to get emails now. We'll see. We'll see how that goes." I've heard you at karaoke. I think you could pull it off. I I don't think the Spice Girls, I don't think my rendition of any of the Spice Girls songs is really going to help us out here, Kevin. So, um I'll I'll I'll, I'll keep that I'll keep that going. Let's uh, let's talk about the LA Galaxy, though. Um, we finally got to see him play, which is something that hasn't happened so far. Um, it was, a, at least for the time being, uh, a, an interesting way to sort of start. They played how many games? I mean, you know, 
official, unofficial games. What we know is the LA Galaxy are undefeated in quotation marks, right? That's what we're going to yeah, call it. Yeah, we really don't know what that means. Yeah, exactly. So um, so undefeated. They haven't lost um, in the preseason. Um, but when we look at that and we say, okay, let's let's sort of see where you know the Galaxy are and, and how that is, That's it's still something that Greg Vanny has so far, I mean, outside of the game against LAFC where they played apparently to a 4-4 to draw and we don't know any of the lineups or who sort of started and we have an idea that maybe Augie Williams scored twice and Chicharito scored once um, in that they haven't really allowed a whole bunch of goals. And even against New England, who had, I think, 24 or 25 shots uh, to the LA Galaxy's, I think, nine, um, it, it, they didn't allow them to score, even even though there were some offside calls that, that went the Galaxy's favor and a whole bunch of stuff like that. I mean, we have to feel like that the LA Galaxy, at least in the brief amount of time that we've seen them, have at least made some improvements, maybe? I mean, is that is that something that feels like it's stretching it, too? Well, yeah, what I find interesting is that, aside from the LAFC game, the Galaxy are undefeated against former... Galaxy legends, Landon Donovan and Bruce Arena, those are the only people they played. I, I thought the game with New England was, I, I know a lot of starters are missing. We're going to talk about that. I think you said you counted four, four, four likely starters. Yeah, four likely starters started the so game. So that would be Bond, Steris, Biafania. And, and Chicha, Chicharito. So. And Chicharito. Yeah. Uh, I, watching that game, knowing the starters were out, I just kind of had a feeling that these may be the kind of games we see, especially at the beginning of the season. One to nothing games, you know, games that Bond is and and the, some help in the back line, but certainly Jonathan Bond is is going to be the key guy. And there's going to be a lot of one to nothing, maybe two to one games. I just don't think the Galaxy are going to light it up and score five or six goals a game. But I don't think we're going to see any of those six goal goals conceded like we did a couple of times last season. Yeah, uh, it was an it was an interesting lineup for the LA Galaxy. Let's let's say that. Um, so you had Bond who started the back. You had Jalen Neal um, who played at right back, who is a center back, by the way. And so uh, Greg Vanny was asked about Jalen Neal afterwards, and he said, "Yeah, he's right back by necessity. It's it's what we needed to sort of have happen. Is we needed somebody to be there, and that's the person that we got. So Jalen Neal was uh, was at right back. You had Dan Steris starting at center back. You had Nick DePew starting next to Steris, and with the injuries to people Gonzalez and with the, you know, the current sort of rehab situation of Derek Williams, where Vanny said that it looked like Williams was possibly getting ready to, um, to come back and, and start training with the LA galaxy. So, you know, that we expect is sort of going to change between Stara's De- Depew, people Gonzalez with the bone bruise. And by the way, can I just say Kevin, that I heard that the people Gonzalez injury was much worse than sort of the bone bruise that Greg Vanny put out there was, but at the same time, I'm I'm currently leaning in the Greg Vanny position about that, but let's just say that it's a bone bruise. Um, and well, the Williams injury, the, the hamstring, he had surgery on a hamstring. Oh yeah, Derek. Well, that's I mean, pretty serious. They reattached his hamstring. It was it was not attached to his his leg anymore. They had to reattach it. So, um, no, for me, it's not necessarily you know. Uh, uh, I with Williams, it seems like everybody's taking the approach that he's going to be fine. He's going to come back, and that he'll be he'll be okay. Kevin, that's what it feels like. Everybody's taking that. We don't know that, but he seems to be rehabbing and basically he should be back in training with the team. That's what Greg Vanny told us um, here shortly. So you have that. But I mean, people Gonzalez has an injury. You have Derek Williams rehabbing. You have O'Neill Fisher, who apparently is doing some precautionary rehab, Kevin, um, which is, hey, we saw something, I think, on a hamstring and maybe we don't want to do any. So he's not in this game as well. So, I mean, when you look at the team sheet and I laughed because whenever I was sitting at the stadium, um, 
I, I looked and, you know, the LA Galaxy had, I think, 18 or 19 players on there. And then New England had 25 players who were listed on their roster. And when you look down on the field between the two teams that were warming up, Kevin, you could see that New England had like a bazillion more players than the LA Galaxy. It ended up being like only a, a difference of maybe uh, four players, but it felt like they had more players than the LA Galaxy. Well, well, and and I know we we're going to talk about this later. I guess it's kind of a you set me up. It's kind of a good segue to talk about it now. Um, I just get the feeling that Greg Vanny and, and Dennis DeClosa, they are building this. This is a project. They're building this team. We've talked about this before. But when you look at the players they signed, Williams had to have his hamstring reattached. Either you say the Galaxy didn't know that they didn't do their due diligence, or they knew that and they were okay with it. I, I think they knew that they, they're okay they with it. They definitely knew that. Everybody knew uh, what happened with them. Yes. Yeah, and O'Neill Fisher, he's he's rehabbing an injury, and and they were okay with that when they signed him. Precautionary. They they scanned him whenever he came in, according to Greg Vanny, and they found some things that they didn't like, and so they were sort of like, hey let's just take care of this now and have you rest and do some rehab and do some strengthening. So that way you're going to be okay. Cause we don't want to have any issues. That was well, the official word it, from Vanny. Right. And, and, and my point is these guys were not ready to go out of the box. It wasn't like, you know, open up your prison on Christmas day and you can play with it. It's a bit, you know, some, uh, insulate, you know, some assembly, assembly required. required. Yep. Um, and then it, Vanny keeps talking about, we're going to sign four or five more players. Uh, you know, I did a little bit of math on this and I figured, with the the injuries and the guys he wants to bring in, I don't think the Galaxy are going to have their start top starting eleven maybe until the end of May, and we don't even know the Pavone situation. It could be the end of May, and then the international games start in June or July, and they're going to lose three to four starters. Right. So this feels to me like it, this is something that they're definitely building um, very deliberately, uh, and and Vanny used that term very deliberately as they go forward. The, the Galaxy may get to the playoffs this year. They may have a very good team, but I just have the feeling that Greg Vanny and Dennis Close are looking a year or two years down the road. And that's why they're not panicking about guys aren't here. Grant Sear and, and Victor Vasquez aren't even going to join the team until uh, next weekend in Arizona. Right. So, you know, and they it, that's two weeks before the season opener. So I, I, I just don't feel a lot of um, concern about this thing not being ready because I don't think I don't think their plan starts uh, on the first game of this season. I think it starts a little further down the road. Well, well, Vanny was also pointing to the fact that some of the guys who are coming back from international duty, we'll talk about it, aren't going to be back with the team until Friday as well. And probably they come back. They have to quarantine. They have to do all the stuff they're doing. Uh, Araujo, uh, let's see, all of them, they're coming from overseas. They're coming from outside of the United States. So um, they're going to have to come in and quarantine and they're going to have to sit and they're going to have to wait until they're quarantined out and they've tested out and they're able to join the team. So, you know, Tucson, and again, there's a game on Saturday in Tucson. Um, that's That's what's next with this. Um, so I, I agree. I mean, you're, you're not seeing it put together right now. I, I do think that with uh, Grand Sir, uh, Grand Seer, I guess we're saying Grand Seer, Grand Seer, you have to say it with a French accent. I believe. Samuel. Yeah, yeah. So Sam, as Vanny calls him, Sam uh, Grand Seer uh, is is going to be, you know, coming back. And, and apparently Vanny so far has said he's not worried about either Vasquez or uh, or Grand Seer in terms of their fitness because they've been training with teams and they're up to date and they're doing it. But, you know, there's a there's a real argument there about whether or not those guys are, are match fit. Um, and they're probably not, and they're going to have to quickly do it. And so, you know, to say that we're only a couple weeks away, as you said, May, uh, April starts, you know, <laughs> this week. Uh, so so well, you're only 18 days away once April starts from, from everything uh, kicking off. 
And Grant, and, and Vanny knows uh, Victor Vasquez better than anybody. And he says, he said repeatedly that, that he thinks he's going to be match fit. Here's why I don't think he will be. He's played 14 minutes in the last year or so. He's 35 years old, 34, 35, I think. Um, you look at what happened with the Olympic qualifying team. They, they were in Mexico. These guys are all by definition under 23. They were in Mexico for three weeks, I think, training. And yet all we heard from Jason Christ is these guys are not match fit. You know, we can't, we've got to rotate players out and, and look at Honduras. They're all match fit because they're into their season. If 23 year old guys can't get match fit in three weeks after having just come off their, their season, I, I don't know how a 35 year old guy gets fit in two weeks when he hasn't played in a year. Yeah. So, no. um, you know, it may, maybe it's the way Vanny uses it. Maybe Vanny thinks match fit is he can go the last 15 minutes and that's all we want him to do. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And his role, uh, as, as, as Greg has talked about him seems to be a lot bigger than maybe as we initially expected him to as well. So, um, all of those things are sort of a mix of, of yes or no. I, I don't know. I mean, we, we haven't seen, you know, we haven't seen Sam Grancier play, um, you know, in person. So we don't know what he looks like, but when you look at this lineup that goes through here, I mean, you know, bond there, Steras, Viafania and Chicharito in, subbing in sort of as, and I think a, a reasonable bat bull backup is Nick Depew at center back. I think that Sasha question is a regional, a reasonable backup as probably somebody who comes off the bench, uh, fairly early in the second half, um, you know, or starts the game and comes off at halftime. Um, you know, Sasha Kleshin in the midfield, that probably makes sense. Adam Saldana is playing himself into that backup role. Um, and Greg Vanny has been very impressed. You know, Ethan Zubak for me is a guy who's going to get loaned down to Galaxy 2 because I'm really expecting Augie Williams, and maybe it's just a matter of how much space is left on the on the roster and everything else, but it certainly feels like um, Augie Williams, who's got a little run out towards the end of the game, but a run out in his preferred position, Kevin, instead of Ethan Zubak, who's basically playing a right wing, uh, right winger Ethan Zubak. Again, that's probably a position by necessity uh, whenever you look at it, because the Galaxy don't have enough wingers in there to sort of fill that up, especially at the starting way. So you had Zubak in there, uh, you know, Johnny Perez, who ended up scoring the goal, uh, Cameron Dunbar. Uh, played really well too. So I thought he was excellent. He he was very good. I mean, between Perez, Dunbar, and Saldana, you're talking about young kids making an impact. And Greg Vanny talked about all of them whenever he was uh, whenever he was in his post game. So I mean, that was what you got from that game. Is that you look at that, Kevin? And with only four starters that we consider starters, at least right now, um, and maybe Sasha Kleshin is borderline depending on how many people are actually available. Whenever you look at it, um, with only four starters, the LA Galaxy were able to be at least competitive with the young guys in tow there against new England who played very much a, a more first team, you know, lineup than, than the LA galaxy could have even dreamed of at that point. So, um, I found, I found the match the first 60 minutes, which is sort of where we, we delineate between the starters and then everybody started running out. The first 60 minutes of that game was entertaining. The LA galaxy were competitive. I, I enjoyed watching it. I thought Bond was really good, and, and he was very aggressive. Sometimes he came off his line a little bit too early and came off a little bit too far. He'll fix that. I thought he was excellent, um, and, and he seemed to be very communicative with, with his back line, talking a lot, directing traffic. Um, I, I thought Chicharito was okay. I mean, I don't think he was great. I don't think he was poor. I think he was probably better than the Chicharito we saw most of last year. Um, I was a little concerned Viafani came out awfully early. He doesn't seem to be match fit at all. No, he's um, not. That was his first minutes of the preseason. Yeah, we know he that. The he, groin injury. Yeah. He, he was injured, yeah. and Greg Vanny said he was going to have some minutes. He did. He started. He went 30. and and. But guess who came in for him? Yeah, uh, uh, Danilo Acosta. 
and we got to see him, and that was that was good too. The, a lot of people talking about how Cameron Dunbar looked great, and geez, where'd that come from? You know what? Cameron Dunbar looked really good last year at MLS is back. Yep. And he he came on and, and had an impact on the game immediately. And then we never saw him again. Guillermo just never used them. Correct. And I, my understanding was he looked good in training all of last year too. And I don't know what Guillermo's problem with him was, um, but he just never got another chance to to come into a game. I think he proved uh, once again what we already knew that he deserves uh, some playing time. And hopefully Vanny will be a little more open, giving him some of that. I mean, first of all, I think they're going to have to. I don't see the LA Galaxy having a starting left wing right now. And if you're going to put it in anybody's hands. I don't necessarily have an issue with giving it to a young kid like Cameron Dunbar if it allows you to play other guys in their positions, right? I mean, you look at what Dunbar was able to do in that game, and it's it, to me, it's very interesting because he was playing against, as we like to say, grown men in a professional league, and he was making some of them look silly. I mean, and that's, you know, whenever you're looking for separation or, or the ability to be comfortable in that, um, you saw Dunbar doing stuff that he wants to do, and by doing that stuff, creating space and creating options. For me, uh, the biggest part that he needs to improve is his finishing and his crossing because he has the moves, he has the speed, he knows where to be. Um, so all of those things are sort of checking off as you go down the field for me on Cameron Dunbar, and I'm like, yes, yes, and yes, and then you get to the final third, and he's finding himself in open spots where he can either get an open cross or he can take an open shot, and that's not there yet. So for me, that's the only thing that I really want to see improved, and if you're talking about a team that doesn't have a starting left winger, now we can move things around, right, Kevin? Because you and I have talked about maybe you move Sebastian Legette over to the right side and he plays in that on that right wing side and you move Grant Sear over to the left side and he'll play on the left side. So there's there's ways in to, to get experience and the better players on the field, but that might mean moving Sebastian Legette out of the role that you wanted them to play, which is in the center of the field and sort of playing underneath Chicharito, uh, the position that he sort of plays for the U.S. men's national team under Greg Berhalter as well. So whenever I look at changing things, you always have to look at you know, if you're going to start moving people around is how many people can you put in their best positions? And Cameron Dunbar allows you to put a lot of people in their best positions. And you're not necessarily, again, limited time. We've seen him play twice in, in quote unquote competitive games. MLS is back. And then this this preseason game, we've seen that. Um, and he's a good player. So I think you I think he's. He's impressing enough that Greg Vanny is hinting at the fact that he may get more minutes. Same with Adam Saldana, who looks very, very comfortable on a field with grown men. The same with Johnny Perez. And Vanny says, I think he's scored in like every game that we've had this year, right? And we don't, I have no idea how many goals Johnny Perez scores. We actually asked Kevin, we asked for Johnny Perez um, after the game. And uh, apparently he's he's shy. He's very, very shy. So we're going we're gonna to work on that with him because if he keeps playing the way that he does, people are going to want to talk to him and want to know his name. It's it's time for the for the for the boy to grow up a little bit here. And and uh, and hopefully um, fans will start hearing from him because I think he's a really fun player to watch as well. You know, your description of Cameron Dunbar, I thought was spot on. And it reminded me of how much he reminds me of Uriel Antuna when he was with the Galaxy, in the fact that he is a winger, that his speed changes games, um, that he is really good uh, up until the final third. Um, teams have to take account of him a little bit like like Ima Boateng, but I think both Dunbar and, and, and Antuna are better players. But 
I thought the thing that Antuna had with the Galaxy is once he got into the final third with the ball, he didn't know what to do with it. That's where things kind of fell apart. He made teams pay attention to him going up the field. They had to account for his speed. He'd blow by people and get in good positions, and then he wouldn't be able to do anything with it. Dunbar's a little bit like that. He needs to fix that final third. But having said that about Antuna, which what was he here two years ago? Yeah. I saw him play a couple of times for Mexico in the Olympic qualifying tournament. He's fixed that. He still has the speed. He still has the game-changing ability. He still has the ability to, to blow by defenders. But now he scored three goals in that tournament, one against the U.S. Uh, he scored another in, in the final, um, their final game against Canada. He's a much better offensive player, much better threat now in the final third. He figured out those that missing piece. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to think Dunbar is going to follow that sort of map. This year he's going to be a dangerous guy who kind of – maybe loses control in the final third, he'll figure it out. I think he's going to be a really good player going forward. What is he, 8, 17, 18? 18, I think, yeah. He's got, a little, he's got a little time. Yeah, he has time to do it, and and he looks like he's developing. I, I like the comparison to early Antuna. I'll say that with Antuna, I think Dunbar's a smarter player just in the positions that he puts himself in. I think Uriel is a very good player, but he relies on his speed a lot to get him in those positions. I think Dunbar positions himself well and then uses his speed to separate. So a little bit of a difference in terms of how I, I would view those players. But I like Cameron Dunbar. I don't know, you know, for me, it begs the question of whether or not he spends time with LA Galaxy 2 at all this year or if he just stays up on the senior team like he did last year. Um, and mostly that was because they couldn't sw swap between the teams as much because they were, uh, because of all the quarantine rules and the different issues. So that was one of the things... Um, I really like Cameron Dunbar. I thought that was really good. You talked about Chicharito in terms of, I thought he was hardworking, um, quick, decisive, and making all the right runs. And Greg Vanny said after the game, he said that he was extremely happy with his performance. And if you look at the goal um, that was scored by by uh, Chicharito as well, um, it really is about, you know, the, the hustle and about keeping moving and about trying to find spaces and small runs and little things that you can do to throw your opponent off. And, you know, um, so all those things sort of come in to play with Chicharito. And the big thing that I took away from what Va Vanny said, and it's, it's certainly a different uh, view than maybe I would have of things is that he said, Chicharito's making all the right runs. We're not finding him. Right. And he goes, and it's not about finding him on the first run. It's about finding him on those second and third runs. And he goes, and quite honestly, we probably need more experience on the field in order to be able to pick out those runs, Kevin. So, I mean, I thought that was a super interesting take on it. Now, whether he's covering for a star player that he wants is trying to build up and trying to get confidence in and all those things, I will say this, the work rate that he put in, in, you know, roughly his 60 minutes before he got pulled off, um, was not a work rate we saw from him at all last year. Uh, dropping deep to receive the ball, trying to build offense, trying to be a release, uh, a pressure relief valve, um, you know, finding runs in different pockets. He was making late runs into the box um, that I thought were extremely dangerous. And if the Galaxy had found him, I think that they do have some better things. So for me, when you're looking at, you know, Chicharito and what he's bringing, and again, we get a very small, limited, little tiny, itsy-bitsy view of it in this game, is that he seems to be doing all the right things. And it, that's that's what you can take away from this, right? Is that he doesn't look out of shape. He looks like he's in shape. Uh, he looks like he's motivated. I did see him hang his head once or twice whenever a pass didn't come his way. And so he was frustrated. I think he wanted to score in that game. And I like that type of frustration. 
but for me, Chicharito's doing all the right things that you would expect him to do. And he's even out there like coaching kids. He's talking to Adam Saldana or he's talking to Johnny Perez. He's like, you know, he gives him a high five. He's like, pats him on the butt. He's like, let's go. Let's get back into this. This is what it's all about. So, um, you know, if you're looking for the night and day difference between those, I think it's there right now in terms of just his attitude on the field that you're seeing. And I understand it's preseason. I understand that that's uh, uh, that sugarcoating a lot of problems that he had last year. Um, but he is at least playing the part, Kevin. And I think that's an important first step. Well, you were at the stadium, so you didn't hear the broadcast. I, w- I watched from home, and so I heard Kobe talk before the game about the difference between Chicharito and Zlatan. And, and, and we've talked about this before. Sebastian mentioned it. With Zlatan, you just push the ball forward. Zlatan finds it, whether it's in the air or on the ground, wherever it is. He finds it. He scores. Chicharito is, is a much different player. The ball has to come in low. He doesn't he doesn't play well in the air. The ball has to come in low. Chicharito's t- runs are well timed. He's a much more uh, uh, he's not as what's the way it, 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 I'm trying to think of a way to describe it. And I can't. But his runs are much more um, uh, short and defined. He doesn't go throughout the box. He's you have to catch him where he is. Right. He doesn't chase the ball like Zlatan does. That's a different kind of player. And then last year we had the quarantine thing where they. They actually didn't. Tr- the team didn't train together for about three months, so there was no training at all. Then when they came back, so, uh, Chicharito got hurt. My point is, there was a long time last season when Chicharito was not on the training field or the you know in, in a game with with his teammates. They haven't figured that out yet. I don't think they figured out that sometimes Chicharito fakes a run. Sometimes it's the second run. You have to wait for that. Right. That's why you see passes go be- behind Chicharito all the time. You see Chicharito doesn't make the run when someone thinks he's going to. That's going to take some time to figure out. And I think it's starting to come a little bit now. Guys that were there last year, Zubek, um, certainly Legette, uh, Sasha Kleshton, um, you know, Dunbar trained with him a little bit last year. I think that is starting to come. But Chicharito is a much more nuanced player than Zlatan was. Um, and, you know, we've seen that everywhere he's gone. It takes a little bit, a little while for him to sort of catch on. Um, I think maybe we saw some of that in this game. Well, it was. Oh, wait, how, yeah. How was the. How was the press box? I understand you guys were had little partitions and no, things. No, no, we were. Oh, okay, it, it, you were. Yeah. So this was the first time we've been back in the press box, and I figured that we would soon because everybody they're expecting fans at the game, and we're probably not going to sit in the same spot that we were um, if there's going to be fans because it's hard to keep a separation between everybody and do that stuff. So I understand that. Um, so we were up in the press box, and our press box is open air. So. I'm not, you know, there's not necessarily anywhere you have to walk through the inside in order to get to the open air part, but everybody hung out outside. They just thinned out the herd a lot. There's not a whole bunch of seats up there. We're normally we're, we're jammed in there like sardines. And I think uh, right now, and I don't know if they're going to open up the roofs or not, because in MLS cups before we've been, we've sat out on the roofs or I've sat out on the roofs because I'm not a big wig um, and don't get to sit inside the, the press box area sometimes. But I wouldn't be surprised if they open up the roofs, to create more outdoor, you know, more open air seating. Um, for the press that is likely to to show up, so it was just the nut. It was great. It was fine. Uh, no problems, no issues. It was a it was a wonderful night. It was cool because they didn't have that stupid sound soundtrack playing, so we could hear everybody yelling at each other. So when you talked about Jonathan Bond, one of my big takeaways was that he is loud and in charge there because you could hear him every time. And there is a communication, and maybe it's just because we don't get to hear it all the time, right? Because there's a soundtrack playing or there's fans or whatever it is. But there is a communication between him and the back line that was happening constantly. And there was one play in particular, the ball got sort of cleared up a little bit. And everybody, I swear I heard five players all shout up 
and it was all the defenders and it was it was Jonathan Bond yelling up and the entire defense moved as one wall forward and they all took the step at the same time. And it's like that has been missing because so often we saw the defense be disconnected and with two starters or three, if you count bond in there at goalkeeper as well, but with, you know, basically missing two other guys that are going to be starters, even guys they plugged in Jalen Neal and Nick Depew with that happening, those starters, they did not, they, they seem connected and they seem to have a plan and they seem to have an understanding. And that goes for uh, transfers out of the defense into the rest of the team too, Kevin, because when you watch the LA galaxy play, it was very clear to me and other people I was sitting next to Damian Calhoun, um, other people in the press box were saying the galaxy have a plan. And we were like, so it looks like a team and we were joking around a little bit. But it's like the galaxy haven't had a plan since 2015 or 2016, whenever Bruce arena left. Um, and now it looks like they're executing a plan and working on a plan. And it seems Greg Vanny, even in the limited number of starters that were out there has a system in place. And they were trying to play that system because it looked like they were on the same page. Well, yeah, Bon, you even here on TV, was totally in, in control and very communicative, as you said, yelling out, really telling his defenders what he wanted them to do. And that's really important. That, that, you know, the goalie needs to, to direct traffic. He's kind of the quarterback in a sense. Um, he's the one that's facing the field the whole time. And, and so I thought that was good. You talked a little bit about the you know, fans coming back. And remember, Galaxy's opener, home opener, isn't until the last week in, in April. I really think we're going to be in the orange tier by then. I really think we're going to have 20%. Um, oh, oh, I, or, well, that's the 33% is the is the orange one, isn't oh, it? Excuse yeah, me, 33, yeah. Yeah, 33%. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to be there. I mean, I, I know that there is a, a, a spike coming. Um, there's a number of states, uh, including Washington State, that have, that have uh, the whole uh, upper Midwest. They've all seen numbers climbing, COVID numbers climbing. California is still in decline. We're still seeing our numbers go down, and the vaccinations are really increasing. In fact, knock on wood, I get mine on Wednesday, my first uh, Moderna uh, dose. I'm looking forward to that. So uh, I think things are looking pretty good here. I think we're going to be at uh, 8,300 fans by the opener. Yeah, I, I would even push that into the 88. I think we're going to use that 26,674 for the attendance. So I'm saying 88, which is a 3,500 fan increase from the red tier so the galaxy mentioned kevin that they were going to sort of phase this into tiers which is there's going to be a tier which is basically um or a wave i should say a wave of ticket buying so they're going to get certain number of people into the stadium like up to that red tier which is you know the 5300 i think 50 yeah 5335 in the red tier they're going to sell enough tickets to cover that wave and then if it goes to orange they're going to open up a second wave and if for some reason it would drop back down to red those orange people wouldn't get to go but the red people still would so you'd want to be in sort of the red wave and not the orange wave does that does that make sense that does and and by the way i talked to a couple of um, um epidemiologists and doctors uh, for another story i'm doing and and they they all caution look just because it says you can go doesn't mean you must go or even you should go. Right. If you have, if you are concerned, if you haven't had the vaccine, for example, if you're concerned, if you've got a cough, if uh, you're uncomfortable in crowds, it's okay. <laughs> the game's going to go on all the way through October. The galaxy will be here. Maybe wait until you're a little more comfortable. Go later. Just because you can go doesn't mean you have to go or, or that you even should go. So the games will be on TV. You know, wait till you feel comfortable coming back. The last thing we want to do is get somebody sick um, at a soccer game. It's not worth it. Yeah. Um, it, again, there were a lot more people there, Kevin, a lot more people whenever you look at it um, back in the stadium on 
on Saturday night. Um, just in terms of but fans weren't there, no fans, but okay. in terms of people, right. In terms of, uh, support staff and everything else, there were, I, I feel like there was a lot more people there than there have been in sort of some of the previous games. And I think it's because they're, they're getting it up. The funny thing was in this game, Kevin, we had VAR, right. Which we were cracking up in the press box because we're like, what are they waiting for? Either they called it offside. Why are we, why are we? Oh, and they're like, well, there's VAR. We're like, why? There's VAR at a preseason game. And it was the referees were doing, getting their preseason on as well. And so they, we had VAR at the preseason game. I don't know if we'll have VAR Wednesday night because Spectrum isn't broadcasting it. And you would expect that Spectrum um, is the, is, is the reason that they were able to have VAR. And it might even be the reason that uh, VAR showed up was because Spectrum had that and they had their cameras available. I don't know that there will be the same number of cameras available for the LAGalaxy.com broadcast coming, coming on Wednesday night. But it is being run by MLS. It is at an MLS stadium. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's VAR again on Wednesday night. So just But isn't of, that the Galaxy.com? Isn't that somebody on their cell phone just recording their game? Yeah, it was. It, it was I was uh, I had the the spot closest to the center line, right? all the way on the far left in the in the front seat of the press box, which most people were like, I don't care. But that's closest to the center line. And I had my um, I had a camera with me because I was going to do post game stuff. And if you go on corner of the galaxy dot com or if you go to Utah on our YouTube station, uh, you can see I did a short little two or three minute game report from the stadium the stadiums behind me there. But basically, I had it going and I'm like, you know, if I could just stream this like we, you could have a game, you could you know, it would be like ants on parade, but um, you could you could see it and at least there would be something there. Um, so yeah, it, it's interesting. Again, reminder, all remaining LA Galaxy preseason games are on LAGalaxy.com, um, which has the 90 mile radius as prescribed by Major League Soccer. So um, I was told, by the way, Kevin, that it that Spectrum Sportsnet, because we were talking about areas, um, I think it was last Monday, areas that are within the Spectrum coverage but won't be able to watch this game because they're outside of the 90 miles, right? And so we talked about Las Vegas, we talked about San Diego. There was one that I missed, and so one of our listeners who was from there said, hey, what about us? You missed us. And that is all of our listeners in Hawaii um, who, are also, who also get Spectrum, and so therefore usually get the Galaxy games. They will not be able to watch it as well because I'm pretty sure Hawaii is further than 90 miles away from the coast of, uh, of Los Angeles there. And remember, that 90-mile radius is from Dignity Health Sports Park. Yes, so even though the Galaxy are playing in Tucson, yes. which is more than 90 miles away, yes. you have to be within 90 miles of Dignity Health Sports Park to get that. Yeah, I'm not going to say use a VPN, but use a VPN. If you do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, there you You're go. not saying not to use it. I'm VPN. just, I mean, you know, there, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff. That's that Somebody would like to say that that was, you know, a borderline illegal thing. Tell me where it says it's legal. So it's like, well, lying about your location is the part of that that gets you in, in, in trouble with that. So, um, but yeah, there's going to be ways. Um, I don't know what the coverage is going to be like um, in terms of if they're going to run just a standard, if, if Joe and Kobe are going to do the LAGalaxy.com ga games. I haven't been told of any of that. Um, I don't know if everybody saw on Spectrum either. Either, but Nikki K is the new sideline reporter um, for the Spectrum Sportsnet. So if you watch today the Spectrum broadcast, you got introduced back to her. She's been a sports reporter on the Spectrum News station on Spectrum, uh, which, Kevin, you pop up on every once in a while because the L.A. Times has their L.A. Times show. And, and then I turn my TV on and then you're there and I turn the channel real fast. Yeah, we had that broadcast won an Emmy last year. Not my not, not your not contribution. For you. Yes, <laughs> despite me, they won an Emmy. But um, it, for people that have Spectrum, that actually gets really good ratings. And the reason is, is because when you turn on the TV, a lot of times that's the first thing that pops up. 
that's and so that's the deal we have to have for this corner of the galaxy is just whenever you turn your TVs on, there we are. And and I imagine yeah. our numbers would, would would go up. But yeah, um, or TV viewership would drop altogether. All, they would just turn it off. They would they would <laughs> yeah. cut the cord immediately. That's for sure. Um, anyway, so uh, that's it. I'm trying to think of anything else from the game. I mean, the galaxy got bossed around for some of this, and I don't want to act like there were no problems with the galaxy. They were. Um, Greg Vanny specifically pointed out losing balls by playing them backwards and how that is detrimental to the idea of playing out of the back. And if we saw what the LA Galaxy want to do is, Kevin, they want to play out of the back. What And, and what we know um, is going to happen is that when you play out of the back, that you're going to make mistakes every once in a while. And those mistakes could cost you goals. In fact, most of the time they do. Uh, the USU 23s can talk to you about playing out of the back and making mistakes. Um, that certainly can happen. Uh, and you saw some of that in this. So understand that as the galaxy get comfortable with this, you're going to see some of those like, you know, howling mistakes that nobody ever wants to see, but those are going to happen. Um, and I think we saw some of that, uh, you know, on, on Saturday night. Well, I think the back passes, that's just when you're recycling and try to, you know, change, get everyone back on the same page. And, and sort of start again. I, I remember during the, uh, when they had the Copa America Centenario here, I remember watching Argentina play against the U.S. Man, they did that all the time. If they were going forward, even if they got the midfield stripe and they didn't like what they saw in the U.S. defense, they'd turn it around, send it back to the goalkeeper and just start everything all over again. I'm not sure. I mean, you have to have obviously very quality players and a quality goalkeeper to do that. But you, you do see a lot of teams doing that. One thing that struck me, though, about Bond and about what you're talking about this was an inconsequential play. Nobody will remember except me. But about 20 minutes in, there was one of those plays where a defender turned around and sent the ball back to Bond. And Bond sent it forward. It was a sharp right-footed pass. It was on the ground. It was about 20 yards. What I remember is he it went right between two defenders, two or New England players, rather, to a Galaxy defender. Bond had the confidence to send a 20-yard pass through the defense to his guy to start the buildup out of the back. You, don't, you just don't see goalkeepers do that. They almost always find a, an outlet pass to a guy who's by himself or maybe has one guy around him. But that was like a pass that a midfielder would make to, 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 to launch a forward into the box or something. Um, obviously, he's a really good passer and has a lot of confidence in it uh, in his ability to do that. Um, that's something that I don't think we've seen from a goalkeeper in a while. Can I say something that Greg Vanny hasn't said? Um, and that is that Jonathan Bond is the number one goalkeeper for the LA Galaxy because he's not going to say it until later. But that's he's he's playing him like he's the number one goalkeeper for the LA Galaxy. Uh, Jonathan Klinsman came in, got some minutes in that second half. I think that right around 60, 70 minutes right in there uh, so that Klinsman could then, you know, switch every uh, run out the rest of the time on that. And it's good to see he's back from his concussion. So that's all good. Um, but he's the number two. It's Jonathan Bond is the number one. And and I thought he was going to be when they brought him in just because it seemed that way, just in terms of how Jonathan Bond was talking, how Greg Vanny was talking, all these things. Then you have Greg, you have Jonathan Bond in a press conference, or excuse me, a media call. I don't want to screw up the things that I say and then uh, and then not be right about it. Um, but in a media call, being as calm and as confident as you would you would expect somebody sort of in that number one position. He's he's walking the walk, Kev. He's talking the talk. He is. He has that swagger. He says it's not about the competition because he knows that he's the number one goalkeeper. In my well, mind, that's been decided. Well, yeah. But, I mean, he had offers from at least two other uh, MLS teams. New York, I think it was New York City or maybe it was the Red Bulls in Miami. They talked to him. Um, he went uh, to the Galaxy. He came all the way from England. He signed a four-year deal. You don't do any of that stuff unless you have at least a wink and a nod that you're the guy. Now, if he comes here and is terrible, right. then all bets are off. But 
you know, I think they probably told him, look, if you're if you can walk and talk and, and drink water at the same time, then then you, you got the job. Um, he wouldn't have come that far if he didn't. But what do you think, you know, with this compacted schedule, we went over that there, you know, there's a number of times when they have three games in a week. Right. Uh, it's going to be travel this year, not large travel, but there is travel. There's no U.S. Open Cup that they, probably the Galaxy won't be. We don't know that for sure. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the U.S. Open Cup is not there. But still, it's a compacted schedule. A lot of times you see goalkeepers play 32, 34 games. They play the entire schedule. You think that'll happen? Or do you think with that schedule, do you think that Klinsman's going to get a couple starts? No. I think Jonathan Bond starts unless he has something happen to him. And then Jonathan Klinsman will come in. Um, it doesn't feel like, you know, maybe if, if there's some throwaway games. But goalkeepers don't get tired. All right. Sorry. That's why they play until they're, you know, 45 years old and, you know, they can still still run around and dive as long as they can get up quickly and still move and do that. It's a different timing schedule for a goalkeeper. You want to have a long life in soccer, be a goalkeeper. You also have to be crazy. So that helps, too. Um, but for me, you know, Jonathan Bond isn't going to be one of those guys who rotates the, you know, the center backs for me. I don't know that they're going to rotate unless they get, you know, um, unless they get tired. You look at some of the other, those might be the only positions where you sort of sit there and say they're not going to rotate because I feel like everybody else is going to rotate. Um, one, because maybe they're going to have to Kevin or two, maybe because, um, you know, that they're going to be tired, um, outside backs, especially in most of the modern formations are basically midfielders, um, who run back and forth and do all that. All the midfielders run back and forth and put a ton of tunnel, uh, miles on their legs. Chicharito might be a guy who, if he stays healthy, healthy plays 34 games. Um, I don't think you rest him for anything unless he has a knock or something like that. And in his position, he's going to get tired, but he's also a designated player who's playing a striker position. I think he plays and plays until he can't play anymore. So, so who are you two starting center backs? You mentioned your two starting. Center I think backs. it's going to be Williams. I think it's going to end up being Williams and Steris. Those are those are my my arguments. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with me on that. I, well, no. I, I let me put that back. There's tons of people who disagree with me on that. Okay, but I'm going to end up being right on it. That's my that's my guess. That's a pretty ballsy call right there. Really? You think it is? Yeah. I think it's obvious, but you know, that's, that's, and then I'm going to be wrong and be like, Oh, remember I said the LA galaxy weren't going to sign another center back. I said they had enough. They're done. They're not going to do it. And Alan the, Franco. And, and yeah, Alan Franco went to Atlanta. <laughs> you were right, Kevin. They did. Somebody did finally sign him by the way. So yeah, it wasn't the right team though. You know, over a year ago you were like, he's, he's coming. Here he comes. Yeah. So, I still stand by that though. If the, if the pandemic hadn't blown everything up, I, I think he would have come. I, I think that was probably in the cards too, but yeah, the, the pandemic did blow things up and, and certainly change some things around. All right. Um, is there anything else from the, from the scrimmage that you, that you absolutely take away from it? Um, I, I'm trying to think I, I, I was entertained and I'm not often entertained by some of the poor galaxy teams that have played. I got to watch live soccer. I got to do it with some funny people around me in, in the press box. It was a, it was a nice night. And I imagine that everybody can't wait to get back to the stadium. I'm here to tell you that the stadium is there. It's, it's still beautiful. Uh, it's still, as you remember it and it's, it's waiting for you. So whenever you feel comfortable, you should get back there um, and, and, and do that and yeah, get your vaccine. And that makes that decision hopefully easier for a lot of you as well. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that people are sort of getting back and, and doing that. It's, it's going to be but fun. Remember the vaccine does, you've had your vaccine, right? I've had one. I've had my first yeah. one. Yeah. That doesn't mean you get to stop wearing the mask. You still got to wear the mask. I, I've, I wear my mask. I basically took it off right now, but even when my wife is around, I don't like her that much. So I just put the mask on. <laughs> so it's, it's fine. Um, let's get a little bit more into some of the other news that's, that's traipsing around, uh, the LA galaxy and looking at Sebastian Legette and Jonathan Dos Santos, Efrain Alvarez, Julian Araujo, um, all the way on international duty. Um, we can sort of start, let's start with Sebastian Legette. Um, we talked about him playing in the USA's, uh, four, one victory, um, 
um, over Jamaica. Um, and then they also had a 2-1 win over Northern Ireland where Sebastian Jet came in, I think, at halftime and played the last 45 minutes. And Greg Berhalter basically said, you know, hey, the reason we're doing that is because he, that was the first time he's played 90 minutes this year. And Sebastian Legette mentioned that as well. Um, so they were working him back into fitness. But that's a that's a positive for the LA Galaxy that Sebastian Legette has put those types of minutes on his legs in that sort of environment. Yeah, I talked to him after the first game where he got his first international brace. He has he had at that point four goals in his last four games. Um, he led the team in minutes over the last year and a half. You go back to the start of 2020 through where we are now in 2021. He's played more minutes than and started more games than any U.S. national team player. Like I said, he got the brace. Then he came back and played 45 minutes the next game. Uh, the next game. I, I don't know that any other player in his, you know, he, it's in, he's in preseason. Right. Um, I, you know, I think he probably worked harder and is more t- exhausted than any other player on the team. Um, the thing with Sebastian is look at that team. I mean, look at the, you know, the midfielders, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney. I think Pulisic is playing at a forward, but I still think he's thought of mainly as a midfielder. You know, there's a lot of these, that midfield is deep, Brendan Aronson, but Sebastian Legette, when you look at that roster, his age, um, you know, he's not on a major European team. He's the one guy that you think of, maybe he doesn't belong here. Maybe he's holding someone's place. You know what? I don't think he is anymore. Uh, for whatever reason, um, Burhalter gave him a shot and he sees the opportunity. I think he is really making a case that he is the first choice nations, nations league and world cup qualifying. He's the first choice starter in the midfield. It's, it's really interesting. I feel like he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. He hasn't said that, but it feels that way um, that he's out to prove something. And you've seen him with, with the U S men's national play, play very well. And if, Greg Vanny is, is, you know, was speaking, you know, sort of correctly or his view hasn't changed. He's going to come back and play that same role with the LA Galaxy. Not only does that help the LA Galaxy, but that helps the U.S. men's national team as well. You have a guy who doesn't have to think in terms of I have to play a different position. He's just got to play with different players. And that is huge to be able to give a guy one job and this is your job. Go do your job. And that's that's sort of where Sebastian Legette seems to be right now. That could be that could pay such huge dividends for the LA Galaxy, who need him to be an impactful player on on this team because they are they are missing quality without him in that position. And Greg Vanny seems to be putting him in a position to play sort of more of a more of a, a central attacking midfielder, Kevin, than maybe other other coaches were ready to give him, but um, that that's that you know a false nine. You could call him a false nine, and in, in, in some of those. But I imagine that his combinations with Chicharito down the middle are what gonna, are are going to be what really make the LA Galaxy a dangerous offensive team. Yeah, he's a with the national team too. He's a linker. He's the guy that links up to the front. Um, it's done a great job with that. Uh, you're right. I mean, he moved around a lot, even in the Galaxy. He, from game to game, he would sometimes change positions, and then he went to the national team. Um, he, and, and didn't really know what his job was. It's much clearer now what he's supposed to be doing. Um, I, I'm just really impressed. I mean, a, again, with this star-studded team, you look at him, and again, it's, he's the guy that just doesn't belong there, but yet try to get him out of the lineup or try to find someone that can do what he does. Um, it, I, I really expect that he is now a mainstay of the national team through this next World Cup cycle. Yeah, which means that the LA Galaxy should be prepared to lose him because he's not going to be there um, for all their games. There's uh, Nations League, there's World Cup qualifying. Um, and then let's say he's not on the A team for some reason, Kevin, which I think we both agree he is. If he's on the B, t- B team, then there's Gold Cup 
um, as well. So um, that's that's sort of where Sebastian Legette is. But in terms of the LA Galaxy, Sebastian Legette should come into this team understanding where he has to play, um, understanding Greg Vanny's system, and being match fit and ready to go. So um, Sebastian Legette, uh, Greg Vanny said that all the guys who are returning, uh, coming back from international duty, would not would meet the team in Arizona and then play those games in Arizona once they do that because. We talked about it. All those guys are coming from out of out of the country. And right now, I believe out of country quarantine is 14 days. Um, that's not the seven days with the with the negative test. So, you, you know, I'm sure there's some other MLS protocols and some different things that they're able to do because technically maybe they were in a bubble, um, you know, going in a, in a bubble while they were there. And so perhaps there's some things to get around it. But right now, um, I know this because my real job, we're trying to get somebody from the UK over to here. And they were like, well, we'd have to be quarantined for two weeks there. And then we have to be quarantined for two weeks whenever he came back. So that person would be quarantined for a month just in order to be here for like a week um, and, and go back. So that, that wasn't exactly something that was working. Um, Another thing with Sebastian, before we get away from him, remember in at the end of last season when they had the Galaxy had that last game in Portland and they allowed Sebastian Legette to go to Europe. Why? Because Greg Berhalter requested him to come play with that European-based team with the, you know, the Pulisic didn't play in those games, but with all of those European-based players, Serginio Dets and all those guys, they wanted Legette. I believe he was the only MLS player to make that yeah, trip. I think so, yep. That And Berhalter said, I want to see him playing with these guys. I think that was a, a, the start of the sign that this is the guy that has a bright future with Greg Berhalter's team. Yeah, very well could be. Uh, the other two guys up with senior national teams right now, Jonathan Dos Santos and Efrain Alvarez, both up with the senior uh, Mexican national team. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos did come in in the second half of Mexico's one nothing loss to Wales. I think they were playing in Cardiff. Um, and he came in at about the 78th minute, so got some time, time in there towards the end. Efrain Alvarez was listed as a sub. Um, but did not play in this game. And it's just interesting in terms of what Tata Martino is thinking because it seems like he wanted to get Efrain some time in at least one of these games. And so far they play in one game and Efrain Alvarez doesn't seem see the field at all. So um, they have another chance to do that as Mexico will be playing against Costa Rica at the same stadium where the U.S. played um, their first game against Jamaica in Austria. Um, and so that's that's the one to watch. And I believe that's at on Tuesday. So we're recording on Monday night. So on Tuesday, Tuesday at 1 p.m., um, it'll be Mexico versus Costa Rica in Austria there. So perhaps Efrain Alvarez or Jonathan Dos Santos, maybe Dos Santos gets the start being he only played 12 minutes, but watch those two guys. But the, the bottom line is that whereas Julian Araujo and uh, Sebastian Legette are on their way back, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and Efrain Alvarez are not because they have a game on Tuesday and they're likely to t start heading back, um, you know, on Wednesday whenever they're done um, with that or, or if they can right after the game. But I don't think they're going to any flights um, sort of that late in European time. They'll probably wait till the next morning and start heading back. So um, that's sort of an interesting thing. But uh, in terms of Jonathan Dos Santos, I mean, I think you'd like to see both of those guys playing more in the second game just in terms of being match fit, Kevin. So from an L.A. Galaxy perspective, you want to see both of those guys play some significant minutes um, in this game against Costa Rica for Mexico. And by the way, if you didn't see the game on TV, that stadium is like a high school football stadium. Very, t It's actually a perfect perfect COVID stadium because you, you play in these big monstrosities and it's empty and it just feels like a mausoleum. This kind of feels like an AYSO game, just some old, you know, uh, uh, aluminum bleachers there. And, uh, it, it really works for a quarantine game. Did you see the, they, uh, the U S soccer did a, like a feature on why they were playing those games there. And it was really this, this they built that site, 
um, in Austria to be able to host tournaments and stuff like that. And once COVID hit, they went to the Austrian government and said, we can do this safely. Let us do it. And so they've been offering it up to all the national teams, which is why there's been a whole bunch of games being played at those stadiums, which I think it's like you take advantage of the fact that one, you have a government that will work with you. And two, you have the facilities to be able to do something quote unquote safely. So they have all the, the COVID testing and all the protocols and being able to separate people. Uh, really it's almost like dignity health sports park in that there is a complex of fields around this place and they're able to host and have different locker rooms and separations and all that stuff. So it was super interesting to, to sort of see how, why and how there are games being played in Austria right now between two teams that, you know, are North American based whenever you look at, you know, yeah. um, Mexico and the, the U.S. And the U.S. went there in November, and I believe Mexico did as well. So this is a return trip for both of them. The The one player you didn't talk about, I know you were you were playing on, uh, I'll bring him up, Julian Araujo, yep. who um, played for the U.S. team that did not qualify for the Olympics for the third con- consecutive Olympic cycle. So we have some uh, Olympic trivia for the U. The last goal scored by an American in a World Cup or, or in an Olympic Games was Sasha Kleshton scored in 2008. The last American to score a game-winning goal was in that same Olympics, Stuart Holden scored the only goal against Japan in the first game of group play. So there you are. U.S. have not played in the Olympics since 2008, have played in the Olympics just once since 2000. Um, and they're not going back again. Third time in a row they've been uh, – did not qualify. Coming right on the heels of not qualifying for the World Cup. So, so much for a soccer nation. We need to get back to that soccer nation. But Julian Araujo, he, he played – I thought played well. He played in two of the four games – um, he played against the Dominican Republic and uh, helped start the offense, I thought. Um, played very wide, um, played on the right side as a defender, and, and, and played more as a midfielder and, and really helped uh, that uh, offense gel. He played on the left side in the first game against Costa Rica, right? Uh, played, I think he played a little bit against Mexico. But did not play. He came off the bench against Costa Rica, I believe. I believe yeah. he started and, Dominican and Mexico. Yeah, he started for Mexico and went and to, played yep. ninety minutes both times. Yeah. Um, did not play in in the final game. It was one of the few players that didn't get off the bench in the final game, the deciding game against Honduras, the two to one game. I was surprised he didn't come on late because he had done such a good job in his earlier appearances in sort of goosing the offense, even though he plays as a defender, getting the offense to move. Um, uh, Jason Christ did not use him. The U.S. wound up losing two to one. The fact that he was one of the few players that didn't play, you were talking about you thought it was workload. He played two 90-minute games. Uh, the U.S. played uh, four games in 11 days, so that may have been part of it. It was it was very warm. It was 90 degrees at kickoff. Um, but I think I think Julian Araujo comes back with a big chip on his shoulder because of that, and, right. and I say that from history. When he was called up for the national team for the first time, there was a friendly at – in Carson at Dignity Health Sports Park. He was on the team. His family came all the way up from Lompoc to see the game. He didn't play. And I talked to his mom afterwards, and she said the whole family, was, including Julian, was very upset that he didn't get to play. He thought he deserved it. After that game, he came on like gangbusters for the Galaxy the first month, month and a half of the season. That disappointment really fueled him. I think he comes back now from the Olympic qualifier believing probably that he could have saved the team, that he might have been the spark I would have got that tying goal. Maybe the U.S. Uh, has a different result if he plays. I really expect him to have a dynamite start to the season, and I think he winds up with the national team, not with Nations 
league and not in the Olympic qualifier or World Cup qualifiers, but I think he plays a vital role in the, in the Gold Cup. I think he gets a lot of minutes in the Gold Cup this year. Yeah, so all those people who are saying, hey, he won't be gone for the Olympics, which is a good thing because that would have been a significant chunk of time. Uh, he is going to be, we imagine, at least gone for either the Nations League World Cup qualifying or the Gold Cup. It, right now, it seems like it's probably going to be Gold Cup. I don't see him sneaking onto the, the quote-unquote A-team um, as it goes, but you don't know what Greg Berhalter is looking like down the bench. Um, but it, it feels like he wasn't a on the and it's it's hard to say the A team. It's not he, there. There was like a B or or, you know, B minus team that was pl- that is the U23s. It wasn't even the AU23s because the A team U23s would in- include a lot of the people who were on the senior national team um, and playing for that. But whenever you look at it, uh, Araujo was sort of in the second starting group and not the first starting group for that Olympic qualifying tournament down in Mexico. So, um, you know, for me, I think Gold Cup probably suits him pretty well, but he will still be missing this year, which is why getting O'Neill Fisher healthy and on the field is so important because that's the backup over there, right? back so um i think araho is going to come back and play um i expected a big big season out of him but i like the um i like the the uh, amount of time that he got i like the amount of games that he got and so hopefully very soon um you know the la galaxy can get him back on the field and integrated into greg vanny's system and he should be one of those guys who's ready to go on opening day with all of the minutes that he's put on his legs so excited to see if that's the case yeah i, I definitely think he's one of those guys going to look at the stat sheet and say hey i played two full games um, but he, what he's going to come back remembering is I didn't play the game that mattered and I could have made, and, and I'm sure he believes in his heart of hearts, he could have made a difference. Um, I think he's going to be fired up. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not saying that the U S not qualifying for the Olympics was a good thing, but I'm just saying, I think the way Joanna Rajo is going to accept his role is really going to help the galaxy. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, for the LA galaxy, it's, it's fine. Maybe he's, maybe that means he stays with the LA galaxy a little bit longer this season than maybe he would have. Uh, let's get to the U S open cup because you talked about it and whether or not that would be a realistic thing. They, they officially announced today, um, that the U S open cup, and in order to get into the U S open cup, you will have to qualify. And the way that you will qualify, and there's only eight teams from MLS because it's a 16 team tournament. They canceled the opening round. So it's just going to be 16 teams. 16-team tournaments, eight of those spots will be held by MLS. In order to do that, Kevin, it is on a points-per-game basis through May 3rd. And we had told you that it would be through the first three games, and May 3rd is through the first three games for most of Major League Soccer. So um, they will play for the eight open spots, the LA Galaxy, after May 3rd. So it's the first three games, right? They go to Miami, they host New York Red Bulls, and then they go to Seattle. Those are the first three games. I those think th- two yeah. of those three are pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, traveling to Miami is going to be tough. Having New York Red Bulls at home is not going to be easy. And going to Seattle is a very difficult game. So, yeah, I mean, you look at that and say that more than likely, especially based upon the fact that the team looks incomplete at this com- particular moment, um, the LA Galaxy in their first three games aren't exactly going to be at the top of the points per game list. Having said that, all it takes is three wins. I almost if you get three wins and you get nine points, you're sitting on three points per game. Uh, three points per game after this. I imagine that you're one of the top eight teams in major league soccer. Maybe, maybe that's unfounded at this point, but that seems to be the case right now. So that would be what would have to happen. Now, the, the fun thing is, and from Romero, um, who has a great article, by the way, up on cornerofthegalaxy.com, where he's sort of looking at the success of Greg Vanny in Toronto and how the metrics sort of play that out. You, you should read that. It's it's super interesting. Don't get lost in all the numbers because he also gives you some just generalities whenever you look at um, sort of the stats he's comparing. But Romero uh, hit me up in the Discord and said, um, everybody in the league plays three games. 
with the exception of Kevin Columbus and RSL who only play two games. So if they win both of their two games, they'll be sitting at three points per game. Uh, whereas everybody else is going to have to play three games, which is why MLS went to points per game on that. Yeah. And so if say Columbus has a, a win and a draw, that's two points a game, the galaxy win two games and lose the third. It's the same. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and Columbus, I think probably when MLS saw that, they were probably very happy knowing that Columbus is the defending league champion. Uh, they would probably love, love to have them play in that tournament. But another thing, we talked about the potential um, for the Galaxy to get off to a very slow start because they're going to be missing a ton of players that either aren't here or aren't you know game fit. They still haven't signed those five mystery players that Greg keeps talking about. So. You know, the U.S. qualifying for the U.S. Open Cup may not be realistic if you if you believe, as I do, that uh, they're probably going to stumble a little bit out of the gate just because they're not going to have everybody ready to go. Well, well, not only that, um, you know, it's it, it just it seems like a tall order. Uh, it, I should also point out, and it is important. Romero pointed this out as well. Columbus does have to play two CCL games before May third, so they have some extra games in there that they're going to have to play. So you know, it doesn't exactly get them, but it's Atlanta, Columbus, Philadelphia, Portland, and Toronto each play two CCL games before five three um as well so uh, most of those teams outside of columbus have to play three games in league before may 3rd as well um there's a whole bunch of of tiebreakers and i think mls thinks that this is def this is like going to be one of those things where it definitely happens in terms of uh tiebreakers and how many and, and all that but goal differential is the is the first tiebreaker goals uh, goals four per match per match by the way because all this stuff has to be done per match kevin because you're not going to have an even number played by everybody so um away goals differential all those things are, are sort of the tiebreakers goal differential goals for fewest disciplinary points per match away goals differential away goals for away i like number eight by the way coin toss tie of two clubs or drawing of lots tie of three or more i want to see people draw straws for this thing in order to get into the to the u.s open cup that's where i'm, I'm well, going for. how do you do that is it going to be a virtual straw draw is it going yes. to be on zoom yes absolutely i have three straws here they are you know i'll do it for them right here from from the my bedroom um in, in order to do it but yeah why, why not scissors paper rock very i mean i'm down for that as well just let's, that would be awesome it, the U.S. Open Cup this year, giant asterisk. That's fine. Um, it, you know, some people are saying just cancel it. It doesn't matter anymore. And in a lot of ways, I think there's probably some some argument to that. But they're going to play it. They want to play it. And it's just going to be a much pared down tournament. And the qualifying for the lower leagues is as crazy as you would expect as well. So I just it, it is what it is. I don't think the Alex are going to have to worry about it. But I wanted everybody to at least know about it. So that way they can understand what you're playing for in the first three games is a chance at going to the U.S. Open Cup. And if we're considering that the U.S. Open Cup is going to get a CONCACAF Champions League spot, Kevin. That is currently the easiest way for a U.S.-based team to win um, to win a CONCACAF Champions League, especially in a shortened tournament, a lot less games. Well, you know, that tournament was canceled last year for the first time in more than a century. It was played through World War One, through World War II, uh, through pandemics and, and everything else, and it was canceled last year. So there will be eight MLS teams and eight teams from the lower division. So right. this might be give a lower division team much better chance of winning the tournament because it'd have to win fewer games. Yes. I don't think that's going to happen. If it catches, happen, lightning, yes. it catches lightning in a bottle, it's potential for that to happen. Well, and with the with the crowded schedule for MLS and everybody else, that could be one of those things where they're tired, where MLS guys are tired, so they're going to play B teams and stuff like that to sort of uh, try to whittle their way through that uh, particular 
um, you know, um, schedule of games. So anyway, U.S. Open Cup, that's where you're sort of looking at it. I think the games start later in May. Um, once, yeah. Uh, yeah, May like eight eighteenth and nineteenth, I think is is whenever that starts somewhere around there. I don't know. I didn't read the press release. I wasn't really that concerned about it. So, um, let's get to your weekly schedule here as well. The LA Galaxy will play on Wednesday night, so they're playing against Bruce Arena's New England Revolution again. Uh, New England Revolution again. Uh, the game will be at seven p.m. Pacific time. Everything broadcast on LAGalaxy.com. Um, so uh, I'll be watching that one from home this time. I'm not going to go to the stadium on Wednesday night. So. Um, but you can watch that game and then the LA galaxy on Friday will head and travel to Tucson for their game on Saturday against sporting Kansas city at 12 PM Pacific time. Again, that game on LAGalaxy.com, And it's the first of three games that they'll be playing, um, in that next week. Basically they have, uh, sporting Kansas city on Saturday, April 3rd. They have the Colorado Rapids on Wednesday, April 7th, um, and then Saturday, April 10th, sort of the the big game there, the Real Salt Lake game, the last preseason game for the LA Galaxy, a 5 p.m. Pacific time kickoff Saturday, April 10th against Real Salt Lake on LAGalaxy.com as well. And you were talking about tickets. I saw something that you had posted about tickets. Yeah, and there's still, as far as I know, there are still some tickets available to these games. If you would like to go, there is limited number, but... Um, I've been in contact with the people over at FC Tucson who are running this. Um, and they say that the majority of the tickets are being bought by LA galaxy fans because of the proximity and the ability to travel across the desert and be there and watch the team play. So if you are, if you do want to do that, FC Tucson.com and you go to the sun cup, the visit Tucson sun cup, 2021, um, you can go there and buy tickets. I, I imagine they're still available. So you want to do that if you want to go, um, and you want to drive the seven and a half, eight hours to get to Tucson. Um, which, you know, some people like Tucson. I'm, I, I say avoid the city like a plague, but that's that's just me. That's because you went to Arizona State. Yes, that is correct. And I also said plague during a pandemic, which probably should get me fired, but I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. And by the way, as you're on your way to Tucson, you'll see the, the Pima Airport graveyard off to the right just before you get to the city. Awesome place. Very cool. All kinds of cool historical planes there. Very cool. They have they do have a lot of cool historical planes there. And back in the day when they were giving tours of the actual base there, it's a great tour. You get to ride on a bus and they drive you through some of the planes that they have in storage out there for the military and civilians as well. It's super interesting. The dry air makes it a good environment to keep airplanes from rusting. That's why there is the giant base out there. So the Shah of Iran's former plane is there. See? Look at look at all this knowledge that we're dropping at the end of a, a, a segment. This is great. Let, let, let me give you some more. Those airport uh, airplane graveyards. You being a, a aviation buff, you know this. Those planes are there um, so that if say Delta needs a jet or needs landing gear is the most popular item. Landing gear on those big jumbo jets, uh, that that stuff uh, you know goes south really quickly. So you can call this Pima Airport and go out and get some landing gear for a seven twenty seven or whatever you have. And uh, it's much cheaper than going to Boeing and trying to get something new. Yes, yes. Scavenging parts off of airplanes out there is a, is a big business, um, as as well as just the airplane storage as well. So all interesting things. You can see that if you're going to Tucson, if you are, uh, you know, send us a note. Let us know how Tucson is and let us know how the LA Galaxy are playing. We'll be watching on LAGalaxy.com. All right, uh, Kevin, anything else? Uh, we Oh, there was one thing quickly, though. Because we've already run over again, and there's no reason for us to have run over on a de- on a on a on a week uh, or on a show where there wasn't that much to talk about. Well, it's I don't get to see you that often. That's I just uh, like visiting with uh, you. I'm sure it is, but there are the rumors. There's these are bad rumors. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sergio Aguero, who is on our rumor tracker, by the way. I would just like to point out, everybody's like, "Oh, put Sergio Aguero on the rumor track." He's been on it since the rumors started earlier this year about him, his time with Manchester City coming to a close. 
Um, and that was official today that he will be leaving Manchester City after the end of the season. And everybody's like, well, clearly Sergio Aguero is coming to the LA Galaxy because the Galaxy have an open DP spot because they're not going to use it. Guess what? Still a one-star rumor, and I refuse to update it right now because I, I don't think there's anything to that. I have the word. I have the final word. You yes. know that. Yep, go ahead. Uh, it seemed to me like an easy, uh, like it might be something the Galaxy would consider because he's going to be out of contract, free transfer, um, you know, needing to prove as a lifetime type thing, needing to prove himself after a long period of injury. So I sent uh, Dennis to close a text message immediately when I heard and said, so when does Aguero get here? <laughs> His response was he doesn't. There you so go. So I guess, <laughs> I guess he's not coming. Dennis was doing a little bit of this on that. That's yeah. that, that's what Dennis was doing. He was he was fine. He was sounding the horn on uh, on the Sergio Aguero. And, and that's a, an on Dennis answer. Generally, he'll say, "Well, we're looking at things," or you know, you never know. But that, <laughs> he's not coming. That, he just flat out said he's not coming. That that must mean that he's definitely coming. So I mean, Maybe. you know, that's yeah, that's I'm sure that's how most uh, most Galaxy fans are going to be taking that as well. So anyway, so there's your your rumor update as well. Um, we told you on uh, Thursday's show about the two rumors in terms of uh, Perez de Mata, the defensive midfielder, and also the French winger uh, Kevin Cabral as well. We talked about that, and we talked about how the LA Galaxy do know of both players. They are watching both players, but that there was nothing formal, and I don't have any more updates on that. There is no update on Pavone either, and we gave you the best update on Thursday night show so check out thursday night show and even that there wasn't that big of an update there as well so um that's sort of where we sit the la galaxy we know they want to bring in more players greg vanny hinted at getting more across the line and that they were right there but we don't know who those players are if they are different than the rumors that we have currently uh tracking so that's where we sit with those rumors that's where the la galaxy sit again two games this week to sort of close things up a wednesday night game against new england revolution um and then a game in tucson um coming up this weekend where they play sporting kansas city so um everything's starting to rapid fire towards the end of the season just uh, a couple more games until the end of the season kevin and a couple more weeks until uh, the season officially starts in miami so uh things rapidly uh, sort of progressing and then we get the home opener with fans in the stands maybe a lot of fans maybe 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 8800 who knows we're, we're gonna have to see how uh, how that all sort of gets played out and and we'll keep you updated as it goes all right uh, being that Kevin is done talking now, and I know that because I'm going to make sure that that's the case, uh, we'll go ahead and close everything up for tonight. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. And please head on over to LATimes.com where you can get all of Kevin's coverage of soccer uh, around Southern California. So make sure you check that out, LA latimes.com if you're looking for me on twitter it's at jay guessman j-g-u-e-s-m-a-n and of course at galaxy podcast corner of the galaxy.com we have articles we have videos we have recaps we have all sorts of fun stuff up there as the la galaxy get ready to ramp up for a 2021 season all right for mr kevin the panda baxter i'm josh pato guessman and you've been listening and watching to corner of the galaxy from the box on corner of the galaxy.com you've been listening to the corner of the galaxy podcast on corner of the galaxy.com you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.